0: Good morning, thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. This is Pastor Julie Lewis with Asbury United Methodist Church, and we are Um, speaking this day on the passage from Matthew, starting in 9.35 and running through 10.8. Then Jesus went all about the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Then Jesus summoned the twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew. James son of Zebedee and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Canaan, and Judas Iscariot the one who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment. Give without payment. The word of God for the people of God. I was reading a commentary on this passage, and the very first words made me stop and think. They were a question, and you all know how much I love questions, right? The question was, how do crowds affect you? Now this commentary was written decades ago, but what a question! Immediately I thought how different my answer to that question would be now in June of 2020, in the midst of this coronavirus stuff and with all the stuff going on in the world compared to what it would have been just a few months ago. Now, a few months ago, my answer might have been that being around or in a crowd would be irritating or annoying, kind of like in a store on Christmas Eve where there are people everywhere, long lines, short tempers, people cutting in front of you or bumping into you. You can't get through, or you're being pushed in a different direction than you want to go. Now, for those who are claustrophobic, being in a crowd would cause great anxiety. I know people like that. I like my personal space, so I generally like to stay away from crowds. And I know I'm not alone. People can get anxious or uncomfortable in a crowd pretty quickly. Yet there are always people, I know some of them, who would be excited and energized in a crowd. They love it. They love feeling like they're part of something bigger and the connection to other human beings, even with a certain amount of jostling. But if I'm honest, my answer right now is different from my usual answer. Understanding that this virus can be passed between people closer than six feet, that a large number of people in the same space increases the risk of getting it or passing it on to someone else even when we don't know we even have it. A crowd makes me nervous, not not, not afraid exactly, just a heightened awareness that a crowd can be deadly. If not for me, for someone else. Social distancing is just not possible in a crowd. Look at the videos from public beaches and other venues that we've seen on the news. But today, this particular crowd, seeing you in front of me today, fills me with joy. So, it's a mixed bag of feelings, even now. With the protests and riots going on around the world, knowing that some of them can and have turned violent, seeing a crowd would also bring that heightened awareness and possibly some anxiety about what could happen next. How do crowds affect you right now? Think about it. In today's passage, Jesus sees the crowds, or in other translations, the multitudes, and out of all the ways I just talked about in reference to how crowds affect me, affect most of us on some level, not once did I use the word compassion. Yet this is Jesus' response to seeing the crowds. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. I talked about heightened awareness, anxiety, irritation, annoyance, fear, joy, being excited and energized, being uncomfortable, but Jesus has compassion. Just reading that word put my first thoughts to shame. Because right away, I saw that my responses, along with the other ones I talked about, had everything to do with how those crowds affected me. My personal space, my feeling of safety. My response had everything to do with me. It had little or nothing to do with the people who made up the crowd. And if we're honest, that's probably true of most of us. For Jesus, his response had everything to do with the people he was looking at. And not just looking at, but really seeing The Greek word translated as compassion here is splanchinizomai, splanchinizomai. It literally means a movement of the bowels. In those times, the heart was not the place where love came from. It was more guttural than that. Thought to arise from deep down in your guts. Love and pity came from the same place you couldn't feel pity without love and it was a down deep in your guts kind of feeling to be moved with compassion was to let that love and pity rise up from your bowels from deep inside and do something and do something as a result it wasn't just a let me pray for you my friend kind of action but something that acted to help alleviate whatever was causing that feeling of pity jesus looked on these crowds and felt compassion deep down inside this passage says he felt that because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd now who exactly were these crowds and what does this whole sheep thing mean well, Jesus had been traveling all around Galilee, teaching and preaching in their synagogues. And it stands to reason that these crowds were the various congregations that he addressed. To give you some history on this phrase, in Numbers 27:17, Moses is about to die. And he is speaking to God about who will succeed him. And he says to God, let the Lord appoint someone over the congregation who shall go out before them. Lead them so that the congregation may not be like sheep without a shepherd. And continuing that image, God says in Jeremiah 50, verse 6, after the Israelites have been led away from him by their leaders. My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray, turning them away on the mountains. From mountain to hill they have gone. They have forgotten the fold. God's people who have been placed in the care of others have been led astray. They are not living the way God has called them to live, not following the commands of the Lord. They are worshiping other gods and just doing whatever they feel like doing. No direction. Sheep that have no shepherd don't make out very well. There's no one to keep predators away. thieves can come right in. They may be under the threat of attack every minute, giving them a lifetime of fear and anxiety. They have to find their own water, their own food. They have to keep watch on their own all the time. They may not even have decent shelter at night. It's an exhausting way of life. God has entrusted his people, the ones he loves, this chosen people to the care of his rabbis, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, community leaders. Jesus, is walk- in walking among them, teaching in their synagogues and spending time listening to them, sees what is happening in their lives and is filled with compassion for them. Harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He doesn't look at them and say, "Hey, you made your bed with your bad decisions and your bad behavior. Now lay in it." He doesn't say, "I'm going to pray for you, my friends, that you will find the right the way to living a good life somehow." God says to the people of Israel in Ezekiel 34, "After he indicts those who were supposed to shepherd his people, I myself will search out my sheep and will seek them out." I will rescue them from all the places which they have been scattered. I will feed them with good pasture. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured. We know that Jesus reveals in John 10 and 11, I am the good shepherd. Jesus is the one who has compassion on those crowds, those sheep helpless and harassed. When he sees these crowds with no direction, trying to fend for themselves, being preyed upon by others, unable to find even the basic needs of life, his compassion, his pity and love move him so deeply that he gives them the good news of God's kingdom, that the kingdom is here in him, and he works to eliminate their sickness, their diseases, the demons that possess them, and and he helps to give them direction, to lead them to the life God has wanted for them all along, a life full of joy, full of peace, and full of contentment, provision, and love. That's what God has always wanted for his people, has always wanted for each one of us. His compassion runs so deep for those sheep and for us, that he will lay down his life to rescue them, to heal them, to rescue and heal each one of us. The best part of this passage, though, is not that Jesus was busy at work performing miracles, curing diseases, and raising people from the dead. The best part is that he commissions others to help that kingdom break in, to be partners in healing all those diseases and curing sickness, casting out demons and turning the world around. I don't know how those twelve disciples felt that day. If you read the book of Matthew, you can clearly see that they had witnessed Jesus doing everything he was sending them out to do. He had cured Peter's mother-in-law from a fever. Cleansed a leper, cast thousands of demons out of one man living in a graveyard, made a paralyzed man walk, restored the sight of a blind man, restored the voice of a man who had been mute, and raised a little girl from the dead. They knew it could be done. But I had to wonder when they looked at those same crowds, the people that moved Jesus to compassion, what was their response? Did those crowds fill them with compassion, or did they make them nervous and anxious, thinking about the possibilities of what could happen if they got out of control? Did they love crowds and get energized and excited, caught up in the power of it all? What was their first response? Jesus tells them to go. And as you go, proclaim the good news that the kingdom of heaven has come near. Point them to me, in other words. Let them know that there is a direction for their lives. I am the good shepherd who will not leave them to fend for themselves, who will protect and provide, who will never leave them alone, who will lead them to green pastures beside still waters and restore their souls. But the mission didn't stop there. He tells them Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. We don't know what happened, but in Luke, when they return, they are overjoyed about the miracles they were able to do. Maybe they didn't cure every illness, but even if they helped just one find their way to Christ, to be healed and restored to life through faith, wouldn't it have been worth it? When we become followers of Christ, he commissions us to the same mission. Through the power of the Spirit, we are given authority to cure diseases, cast out demons, and raise people from the dead. Now, I hear you. Yeah, right, Pastor. There's a cemetery right over there. Let's see how that works. But we know that bringing the dead to life doesn't always mean a physical body coming up from the grave. People who don't have that life-giving relationship with Jesus are literally dead people walking. It is that incoming kingdom of God that brings the dead back to life. When we proclaim the good news to others who desperately need to know that there is a direction in their lives, that there is a God who loves them enough to die for them, and that he will never leave them alone or empty, we are giving life to a child of God, raising the dead to life. It is this very good news that cures every illness, every disease, and casts out the demons we find in our lives. The news that Jesus has died to forgive our sins, that he rose from the dead to give us new life, that we can live forever with God and his kingdom, overcomes everything, every attitude, every behavior that threatens to keep us in death. But it is begins with compassion. We are the people of God and we are called to go into the world in the name of Jesus to actually be Jesus to this hurting world. When we see those crowds, the ones rioting and protesting, we are called to see them with compassion. Then go and work to cure the sickness Of systemic racism by seeing those impacted by that disease, hearing their cries for justice and equality, being moved by their anger and frustration, their pain and their grief, help to move to help make the changes first in ourselves and then in our communities. To eradicate this illness. When we see crowds of the homeless and poor, we are called to have compassion on them, move to make a difference that cures that illness in our society. Our compassion should move us to love our neighbors in whatever form that has to take to cast out the demons of addiction, of abuse, of poverty, of inequality. Of injustice and self-importance or pride it all starts down deep inside of us when we proclaim Jesus as our Lord and Savior we are changed from the inside out we receive Christ's heart his compassion he had compassion on us and we see that clearly on the cross jesus has loved us as one of his own become our shepherd led us into the kingdom and has invited us to welcome all people to be a messenger of that good news by sharing his love with everyone there is no sin that is too great for God's forgiveness. No particular group of people singled out for God's kingdom as either in or out. No status in society that gives us the right to be there. It is because God looked down at the crowds and had compassion on us. We received the grace of God freely, without any cost on our part. And we get to share this incredible news with the world it all starts with compassion when we see the crowds can we really see them S- really see what is happening deep down inside deep inside the pain the grief the anger the- and have compassion And can we let that compassion move us to speak life into their hearts as we share God's love with them? It can be just as simple as listening. Maybe speaking out when something is not right. Maybe writing a letter, starting a campaign, running for office, or just simply saying, I'm sorry, this is happening or this has happened to you how can i help when we see the crowds no matter where we see them or what they're doing can we see them with compassion not worrying about our personal space or what will happen next Definitely start with prayer. Pray, pray, pray. Receive the power of God and let your compassion move you to share the good news, whether by word or deed. Be Jesus to this hurting world and through him we can cure every sickness and disease, raise people from the dead, bring the sheep back to the pasture, the harvest and is plentiful so pray that god sends laborers into the harvest and that includes you the love of god we see in jesus is the miracle cure for whatever illness we may suffer from so many in this world are like sheep without a shepherd no direction no peace see with the eyes of compassion feel it down deep inside and then go proclaim the kingdom of god bring healing to the world through the love of jesus christ that people find in you the harvest is plenty and all we need is that miracle cure Go share it with the world.